0: week two of Peace on Earth, and last week we started to set up this idea that the Christmas story, yes, is very much about salvation and a baby being born and us being forgiven of our sins and having a way to access uh, God's way of living in eternity and, and salvation, and the whole redemptive plan is that, but it came with a message It came with a thing that was said continually and it was this, it was do not be afraid or it was fear not. Uh, We looked at some of the main characters and the angelic message of heaven to them was I'm using you to bring about God's redemptive plan on earth, but with that, don't be afraid. And in that, do not have fear. In that, God is with you so we saw Mary, the angel came and said, don't have fear. And then with Joseph, all this stuff was going on. He's trying to make a decision about, does he send her away? Is he even a part of this? And the angel comes and says, don't be a person of fear. God is going to use you and is in this. And I know it looks chaotic and I know it looks crazy, but the Christmas message is about salvation. But it's also about peace coming here on earth. We saw the shepherds were on the hill, and when the angels came to them in two different uh, scenarios, they came and they said, hey, don't be afraid, don't be troubled, uh, have fa- right? Have faith, like respond in this in a way that you trust God. Don't be afraid, I'm doing something here. And so we talked about how in culture, in our culture that we see, uh, newscasts, they run things under this one idea of if it bleeds, it leads, Meaning if it's dramatic and if it's chaotic and if it's great, that's what goes first. Why? Because there's this nature in us that, that it, it gets pulled to chaos and destruction and fear and just this, ah, out of order. But that's not God's way of doing things. God, and we're going to be going to talk about it today, He came to bring peace on earth. The scripture said about Him, a baby will be born and it will be a wonderful counselor the Prince of Peace. And so even though that may look like a headline, it's not the truth. Amen. Amen. And so uh, catch up with last week and, and, and listen to some of that. But I want to focus specifically more today uh, on peace to, to not be in fear is to be a people who have peace. And I love this thought right here. Uh, we live in a time where a scared world needs a fearless church. We live in a time where a scared world needs a fearless believer, right? A person who, who is going after the heart of God and, and living in a way that our trust is in him. Uh, you see in the scripture uh, where this message of do not be afraid, have peace, I've come to bring peace. That wasn't just a message of, of Christ coming in the, in the virgin birth and, and what happened in the manger. It's, it's a theme all throughout scripture, And we'll pick it up here and actually in the Beatitudes, uh, some of the famous sort of teachings of Jesus, there's eight things listed. And one of them, Matthew chapter five, verse nine, it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Children of God are people who create peace. Think about that for your life. The children of God are people who create peace. Uh, If I were to say, oh, you know, when you look at someone's life, oh, that's obviously that's a child of, of the hopes or that's a Reese kid or a Garcia kid. That's obviously one of them because they do that. The world should be looking at our life and say, oh, that's that's obviously a Christian. They're they're a child of God because look at those peacemakers. Every time a Christian shows up, they bring peace. Every time a believer comes, they show up in faith and they speak life and they speak peace into the atmosphere because blessed are the peacemakers for they're the children of God. It's what they carry. It's your nature of who you are. You come in and you bring peace to a world of chaos. Amen. When it says that blessed are the peacemakers, to be a peacemaker means you need to make something from the opposite of peace if peace isn't there and we're called to be a peacemaker, that means you need to produce something that doesn't exist where it's at. So usually in a world of chaos and a world of turmoil to be a peacemaker, that means you can be in that environment and begin to create peace. You put together something which isn't there. So when you see headlines like that, now those headlines come in like a six month span. Isn't that insane to think about? That isn't like, oh, we just pulled the last 10 years of American history. We're talking about really hurricanes were like since September. It's it's amazing. But the scripture says that, but the children of God have this ability to be peacemakers. They can sit in a world that looks like that and begin to put together peace. And they're blessed for being those kinds of people. Amen. And so we got to be people who make peace in the opposite of peace. Psalm 34 14 says, turn from evil and do good. And then it says, seek peace and pursue it. We all, we all believe that Christians are called to do good, right? Like, hey, what is it to be a Christian? Oh, it's somebody who does good in the world and believes in changing the world. And we would talk of a Christian value of being somebody who, who does good and is a good person and does good things. But if you were to talk about a Christian, how, how come we don't say this other part? Oh, a Christian is somebody who seeks peace and pursues it in their family, and in their workplace, and in their environment, and on their social media. We always talk about doing good as a Christian, but do we talk that much about seeking peace and pursuing it? Amen? I thought about this. Uh, You could say it this way about this scripture. Take away from evil by doing good and pursuing peace. A way that we shut down some of this evil work is, is by doing good and being people on a peace pursuit. That's how we begin to break up the work of the enemy and we break up the work of evil. And and I'm not here to to preach a message or a political message at all that says, you know, we need to world peace and love everybody. And, And obviously we should love everybody. I should probably actually say that. (laughs) <laughs> but we don't, we're not here to get walked on and world peace, never stand up for yourself. But I'm, but I'm talking about we, we come into atmospheres where we say, not only are we not going to participate in evil, but we're going to pursue, we're going to design, we're going to be a part of creating peace in our world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, to pursue something, the word pursue uh, is something where we're peace is something we're called to pursue. And when you pursue something, that means you look for it, you recognize it, you value it and you have plans for it. Uh, if I were in pursuit of something I was going to buy, uh, I would be you know, on the internet or I'd be studying or, or looking through things and I would be pursuing uh, this thing with this mindset of, I know what I'm looking for. When I find it, I'll recognize it. When I find it, I'll value it. I'll have plans for it. I'll know how it operates. So I look for this specific kind. And when I find it, I know how it's going to work and be put together and come to. Why? Because I'm in pursuit of a thing that I know about. So in our lives, if God's called us to be peacemakers and the children of God are people who, who bring peace and we're called to pursue it, then we ought to know what it looks like and how it operates. We need to give our mind and attention to peace. Amen. And so we pursue peace. Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with prosperity and leadership and a platform. And no, it says the Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with peace, with peace. Like, hey, one of the greatest things you can have is strengthen God and peace. And we like the strength part. We say, oh, as Christians, we we get big in our faith and we love that God has given us strength and there's no weapon formed against us. And all those things are true and all those things are great. But what if we got just as bold about the ability to be people who live in peace, who walk in peace, who make peace? I'm a Christian. I'm bold. I stand up and I And strength of God is great, but just with that, he's saying you ought to walk with a desire to bring peace just as much as you are to be a strengthful. Strengthful. Is that a thing? Can we fact check that? (laughs) But we get real caught up on the strength, but peace is just as important. Is it possible that peace is just as important as being strong in God? It's just as important as, as, as finding peace and having contentment in what God has given us. Colossians 3 15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and to be thankful. It said, notice this word, let the peace of Christ rule. It didn't say let the peace of Christ be a good idea. Let the peace of Christ be something we try. It says the peace of Christ needs to be that thing that rules your life. It's it's everything in your life. It's finding the peace of God in all that we do. Amen. And then it says as members of one body you are called to peace. Again, not just a good idea. It's what you're called to. It's what you're designed for. It's your nature as a Christ follower to be a peace person, a peacemaker. Amen. You with me? We already did bless life and we felt blessed and good and this one's gonna be reality, truth. Amen. I got 15 more minutes of it, so hang with me. But peace needs to rule in our lives. I was with somebody a couple weeks ago, and they heard some news and immediately started saying, oh, my gosh, now this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and then that's going to happen. They heard this news, and their reaction was, and then that, and then this is going to happen, and because of that, then this. And upon hearing the news, the reaction was not peace ruling in their life. It was fear. It was, oh, that's going to happen. And then this and then that. And that's why I love this statement that says fear is faith in the enemy. Fear is having faith in the enemy. When you hear something or you encounter something and, and you come across something and your reaction is not God's peace ruling. What you're doing is you're putting your stock in the ability of the enemy. But when we react and we say, I know this is what it looks like. I know what it says, but I believe that I can have peace and that God's got a plan and he won't ever leave me or forsake me. Amen. That's the ruling of peace in our life. It rules in our life. And we come here and we go, oh, in church, we say, God, you rule and you're, you're you're you know, your peace is everything. And I feel blessed, blessed, love, love. And we get all the butterflies and then you go to work and something happens. And your reaction is not ruling in peace. You start freaking out and how you're going to control and how you're going to handle it and how you're going to turn people to yourself instead of going, God, I need your peace to rule in this. Amen. Fear is faith in the enemy. We got to be careful uh, with that. And then I love this scripture. It says, uh, and be thankful. It's talking about having peace. And then it says, and be thankful, because I believe that thankfulness is connected to peace. Uh, I love this statement when we talk about this. It says, we have past blessed, we're spoiled, particularly just as people. We're so far past blessed that we're spoiled. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I think a lot of times thankfulness, uh, peace is connected to our thankfulness. I'll just give you a personal example. Uh, yesterday, as winter has hit uh, and snow is in, Uh, I'm trying to make room in my garage for things and the snowblower and make everything happen. And I'm losing my peace in the afternoon. I'm just trying to make room and make things happen. And I got all this stuff. And I'm literally walking around the garage, like kicking stuff that I have, all this stuff that I have that I can't fit anywhere. I'm all losing my peace about all my blessings. I know you did it too. So I can admit it. But you're around here like, whoa, and then this, where am I going to put that? And why do we got so much blessing? sick of all this blessing. And we lose our peace over it. And you know why? It's because we're not thankful for it. We're not taking the time to appreciate it and be grateful for it. So it says, let peace rule and be thankful. Put those two things together. You'll, you'll find that peace ruling in your life. So I'm trying to arrange it, and run. the kids are acting crazy. I'm trying to fit. I'm like, listen, you are going to go up in that corner of the garage, and I'll get you down in April. One of you two decide, but you both don't get to stay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And uh, the dogs went up there. They're doing good. I put them water uh, this morning. So... <laughs> But isn't it true? They did a study on Facebook. I've shared it with you before. Uh, They did this study of the overall tone and theme or uh, language uh, of updates on Facebook out of all the countries. Now, here's the thing about America. We're more blessed than we've ever been. We're more blessed than any other nation has ever been in all of the world. Our houses are bigger. We have more, can do more, access more. And they did a study of the overall tone of all the countries. And they found that Americans who are the most blessed, Americans are actually the most negative. Out of all that we have, and all that we can do, and all that we're a part of, uh, the overall tones of most of our messages uh, were the most negative. And why doesn't peace rule in our lives? Because we're ungrateful, we're not thankful, we haven't tied the ruling of peace in our life, amen? Uh, There's this thing that creeps into our lives, and it's called destination disease, is what we like to call it, and it says this, because marketing sells everything to you like this, The next big thing, you must own this. You have to upgrade to this. If you don't have this, you'll surely die or you won't ever be happy. And they market everything as like, you're just not living unless you have this. Like if I don't get a Lexus with a red bow on it on Christmas morning, I don't even know what I'm going to do because the Christmas commercial is like, this is Christmas, a Lexus in the, so a black one would be good, Jess, but um, right but this if you don't have this, it's this destination disease, if you don't get to this, you won't be happy. And we say it about all our lives all the time. Oh, finally, when uh, I get that promotion, I'll be happy. Finally, when we get to that neighborhood, we'll be happy. When we finally get this, we'll be happy. And all we do is spend our energies looking at what we don't have instead of being thankful and finding peace in what we do have. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they're the children of God. Amen. And so this destination disease hurts us. Um, There's this great uh, writing in Ecclesiastes. It talks about times. It talks about all these times. And it actually mentions this. It says this in its scripture. It says there's a time for war and a time for peace. And I believe that there is a time in our Christian culture where we battle for things and we stand up for things and we don't get pushed down and pushed around about things. There is a time for war. And there's times where you call in the prayer team closer and you say, we're going through a season and we need to pray a little more. We need to contend a little more. We need to fight a little more. And, and we talk about that real good in the Christian culture. Standing up, the enemy's coming. It's the time for war. We need to battle. But at the same time, it says there's a time for war and a time for peace. I wonder what it would look like if much of our efforts actually where, hey, let's gather in more. Let's group up the prayer team. Let's come together a little bit more and let's contend for peace. It's a season where we need to just fight for a little bit more peace, a time for war and a time for peace. I think we need to aim for a time of peace because the scripture says, blessed are those who make peace. Notice it didn't say blessed are those who make it known how right they are. We're the opposite of peacemakers When we come into situations and all we want people to know is how right we are. And you can be right. You can be right, but you've said it so wrong that people are never going to buy into what you're saying because of the peace that you destroyed in that atmosphere. Jesus, when he came, he modeled this great example. Jesus didn't come to show everybody how right he was. He came and modeled how to live God's way. And, and, and lived. So he didn't say, this is how right I am. This is my catchphrase. Everybody come see. He came to build a bridge from a broken world to a perfect heaven, and he modeled it. Now, he was all right. He was, he was more than all right. He was perfect, and he was right in all his ways, but he came and lived in a way that he brought peace that inspired people to pay attention to his life and his teachings. Amen? We get ourselves in trouble when we go online, and we connect with people in lunch rooms, and we just get after people. I love this statement that says, a bulldog could beat a skunk every day, but is the stink worth the fight? You're right. You are absolutely right. And you can go in there and you can whoop that skunk all day, but is it really worth it? Is that the right time? Is that the right place? And is that the right win? Amen? And so we need to just we just need to be thinking, am I coming in here and building a place of unity where, where God can work? Amen. Amen. And so I thought about this. Peace is also not the absence of trouble. So many people say it's like, oh, if, if God would just deliver me from this, I would have peace. If I could just get out of this trouble, if I could just get away from this thing, surely I would just magically step into peace. But the scripture doesn't teach that either. The scripture actually teaches the opposite, that in the middle of your trouble, you can find peace. Uh, Jesus is in a boat and there's waves and storms and, and, and all this chaos happening surround, surrounding him. And he stands up and he casts what? Peace over the atmosphere. Stands up in the middle of the storm and speaks peace to the atmosphere. That's what it is to be a peacemaker. Peace is a conflict on the outside, but you don't let it get on the inside. You can be in atmospheres and workplaces and situations where it's turmoil and it's chaotic and it feels toxic, but you don't let that on the inside of you, and then you can be a person who creates peace. Peace is also not the absence of your enemies. Peace is also not the absence of your enemies. (laughs) Many of you, you just pray, oh God, my enemy, if today you could just hit them with the bus, um, do it quick so they don't suffer, make it quick. You guys laugh, but God shows me your prayer list. I know how you pray. (laughs) But the scripture says that God will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Meaning it's not, oh, if we just get that person out of my life or if we just get this thing out of this enemy out of my life, if we can just get that person out of this or this person out of this, then surely peace will come. No, you can have peace. You can dwell in the presence of your enemies. Amen? They actually did this thing with the disciples where when they approached a home, they would come up to the house, and before entering, they would say, peace be to this house. And the instruction was, if the home didn't receive it or didn't receive them, that the peace would go back to the person who spoke it. So the peace would go back on the person who spoke it. And so think about that. You can step into situations as a peacemaker, and you can go in and you can speak peace, and if it's not received, you get to keep your peace anyway. But do you know we don't react that way? Here's what we actually do. We come in and we got this big plan and God called me to peace. And we go to the situation and we speak peace and they don't receive it. And then what do we do? Throw our peace away. We get all upset that they didn't receive my peace. And how could they not receive my peace? And, da, da, da. and God's like, no, you go in, you speak peace. If your enemy doesn't receive it, if the person doesn't receive it, you take your peace and you move on. Some of you, you got some people in your life, you need to take your peace back from and move on. You keep going there and you keep, doing it and you keep letting it upset you. You go there, you speak your peace. And I'm talking like civilly. You go, you bring peace to the atmosphere, you engage. And if they don't receive it, you just take your peace and move on. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 16:7 says, When a man's ways please God, please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. So when you're doing it God's way, There can be restoration among your enemies, but I I believe you got to be a person uh, who carries and walks with peace. Jesus even said to Simon Peter, he's cutting guys' ears off, right, with the sword. He's coming in with a fight. He said, hey, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I'm telling you, if you're a person who wants to win by fighting, you're going to lose by fighting. we got to be a people who are peacemakers. We come into atmospheres and we speak peace. In a world of chaos like this, let's not pick up another sword. Now, again, you stand up for truth, and you defend what God has called you to, but you know what I'm saying. Abraham gives us this really cool example. He gets into a business deal with Lot, and the scripture says that Lot has no inheritance, and so they come together to kind of be a blessing, and the scripture says that they got so rich in cattle that the two different groups begin fighting. And so they decide, Abraham decides, listen, my strife in this situation is not worth any of the numerical blessing. And so he says, listen, Lot, you decide what I get. Let's split this thing you choose. And of course, Abraham walks away with the bad of the land. He gets the worst of it. But he had this understanding that uh, in his life, it's more important to choose peace over stuff. The scripture says after this later in time, he was called the wealthiest man of his day. Why? Because he chose peace over strife. Uh, I thought about it like this. We must choose peace over stuff. He could have fought for the cattle. He could have fought for the money. He could have fought for what he thought he should have at that stage of his life and what he brought to the table and what he acquired. And don't you know who I am? And he could have fought for all of that, but he chose peace over stuff. And what's sad is I see a world that chases stuff and spends their whole life pursuing status and stuff and they don't get it and they sacrifice their peace. They get to a stage in their life where they have no stuff, and they have no peace, and nothing has come together because they haven't fought, they haven't contended for peace. Amen? So we must choose peace over stuff. Uh, This is interesting, too. David, the scripture says, couldn't build the temple because he had bloody hands. We know the scripture said he was a man of war and and he had this stuff. And so God is instructing for the temple to be built and he's not the one to build it. And Solomon is, but the scripture says the time had come for Solomon to finally build. Then it says this, now that you had rest on every side, it's time to build the time for him to do what God called him to do came when he found peace on every side, when he got to a place of rest. I believe this, there are some things that can only be produced through you when you find a place of peace. You're trying to figure out why hasn't this come together? Why hasn't this? Why hasn't this? Why hasn't this worked? Why hasn't that person come through? Why hasn't this? Why can't I put this relationship back together? Why can't I do this? Because God's waiting for you to find a place of peace to start from. Now that you found peace and order and Christ's peace is ruling in you, now let's start that work that I called you to. Amen? We can't let things stay dysfunctional because they'll turn into a crash. We have to find peace on each side. Jess um, started riding dirt bikes with us, and um, we got jumps and a track and all this, and... um, she was getting real good, real fast, and, um, and so I was getting scared she was going to catch up to me, and so I said, well, why don't you start hitting the jumps now, because that'll slow her down a little bit, you know, and, um, and so she's hitting the jumps, and she's telling me, she says, yeah, you know, I'm hitting these jumps, and she said, I feel like my feet, when I hit these jumps, I feel like my feet are coming off the pegs, like they're coming off the bike, and in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, it kind of feels that way when you jump a dirt bike. Surely her feet aren't coming off. You just get that sensation that you're coming off the bike. So I was like, okay, I'll check it out. You know, next time we're out there, we'll ride. So, so I stop at the jump. We find a good jump for her to jump. And I'm like, all right, you know, hit that jump. And um, and you just go up to it. And you just maintain your speed. And you hit it. And your bike will do the jumping for you. And so sure enough, she hits it. And I'm not kidding you. She wasn't exaggerating. She looked like Air Jordan. Her feet were off. She was like, and, and I was like, are she doing a freestyle move? I don't... And, uh, and so she came back around. I was like, hey, um, so your feet are coming off the pegs. That's <laughs> happening. <laughs> you should not do that. Let's just take some laps on the ground. You know, the sun's going down. We'll figure this out next year. And um, it disrupted everything. She was great in the corner. She was great. But when things got out of balance, there's actually a term for it in motocross or supercross racing. It's called when you get in a huckabuck. And uh, there's all kinds of jumps in motocross. There's the big tall ones where you just soar and... Then they make these that are called the whoop section. And so they're close together and they're only about this high. And it's made for your bike to really just skip across. If you keep your balance right, your speed right, and you hit it with balance, you just skip perfectly across it. But if anything gets out of order, if you lose your piece on the bike, if you're not balanced right, if the throttle control isn't there, if you, what happens is it becomes worst case scenario. Your front dips and it hits. And then when that bounces you, then the back hits in the wrong place. And it's what it sounds like, huckabuck. You're all over the place. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't grab brakes and balance it out. And you can't get back on the gas and balance it out. You're doomed to crash. And the worst part is right before you crash, it starts to go side to side while bouncing. So usually, once it finally catches, it throws you like a horse would buck you. And so it's hucking you and bucking you. And uh, you should try it with me sometime. It's awesome. We'll do it this summer. (laughs) But many of us are living that way. God's called you to peace and balance. And when you're doing it God's way and you're operating at God's best, it's the perfect skim over life's obstacles. And he's soaring you and you're maintaining speed and the obstacle isn't a challenge. But then when we lose our peace or we lose our balance and we maybe tap a break or we let off the gas, you get in a huckabuck and God needs you to get out of that. God, maybe, maybe you need a crash. Maybe you need to go, you know what, I'm going to start this section over. And you just put some things away and you say no to some things and you, and you focus on Peace and balance in God's way of doing things. Amen? I'll close with this. The New Testament uh, does this interesting thing. And it talks, it really shows us how important peace is to a Christ follower. Do you ever notice how a New Testament believer would greet one another? This is how important peace was to them. They wouldn't come up and say, Hey, what's up, Reno? What's up, what's up, Andy? They wouldn't walk up and say, Hey, how's your day? They would walk up and say, Shalom. Shalom. Meaning the most important thing between me and you is peace. Is peace. The most important thing is not that you're going to hear it my way and you're going to know my agenda and you're going to know about my status. And my, I want to start all of this among people that I'm a part. Of. I want to start it all with peace. Shalom. Let's make, let's make the basis of what we do peace. Eight times in the New Testament uh, or eight, there's eight names in the New, New Testament of God. One of them is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. The God of peace, Jehovah Shalom, meaning the nature of God. So God active in your life should produce peace. Peace, it's a big deal. The number, uh, Numbers chapter six, God says to Moses to tell Aaron, hey, here's this really important thing I want you to know. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you prosperity and a platform and leadership and no, the cherry on top is peace. The Lord will turn his face toward you and give you peace because peace is such a great foundation because blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. Peace is the platform for the promises of God. Anybody who has your peace controls you. Anything that has your peace controls you. Any debt, any anger, any unforgiveness, any bitterness, anything like that, that is stealing you and robbing you from your peace controls you. We got to find a way to get out of that. You find some counseling, you find some prayer groups, you find some some, lit- some things you need to find uh, because everything we have to live in a place of peace. Isaiah 26, three says, you will keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. My, uh, I have a translation here that says it this way. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, resolute, firm, unwavering, because he trusts in you. Do we want perfect peace in our families? We got to learn to trust God. A faith Walk requires trusting God when you don't understand it all. And then Philippians ties these things together. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anytime you get in a situation... You stay resolute, your mind made up, set on trusting God, and then his peace will come and transcend all everything you got to figure out. Oh, i got to figure out, I'm not at peace, i got to try to figure it out. Uh, you have all this anxiety. No, resolutely keep your mind set on trusting God and he will give you that peace.